0: Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels more important today than ever before, but all in all, always an important topic. Got my good friend and business partner in the Whale Club here, Mr. Paul Sparks himself, and not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor, as you can see from that fancy plaque behind him. I think it's still there. We do this show because a wise man once asked a question. If you look at the last three years of your business by months, and turn all the negative months into zero, what would happen to your bottom line? And that wise man is Dan Nicholson, a business partner also from, uh, for the Whale Club. Now, Paul and I, we're here to help you achieve financial certainty through real estate by rigging the game in your favor. I am also on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the show alone should be enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you take consistent action, you will become one. And if you get value today, Please share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And while Paul and I are talking, we're going to say some stuff that might sound odd, might sound like we're speaking a totally different language. That's normal. That's okay. All we encourage is that you keep the loop open. Not Try not to close that loop uh, so quickly. Uh, And if you can, please share, write your takeaways in the live chat. Put your six-word update in the comments below. Today's show, we're going to be talking about Steve's business treasury i had an epiphany uh a few weeks ago in talking to paul yes i am still learning but before we get into all this six word updates what you got paul
1: my six word update is two spots left in upcoming group oh Um, yeah we're selling out um and if you guys have been listening to our show first of all thank you for listening to all this um You know, these these tools and these strategies are making a massive impact on Steve and I's life. And that's kind of the point of this podcast was to share more of that stuff with you. If you're resonating with a lot of the things that we say on this show, we have a community called the Whale Club, which we talk about all the time, where we help people implement these tools inside their life. We have our next group coming in uh, on the 31st. It's 15 investors, very diverse group, um, people from all over the country and all sorts of different uh, real estate asset classes and things like this all coming to get together and get clarity on their next big move, whatever that is, uh, clarity on their business. That's where we always start. It's the solvable problem series. It's the foundation for everything that we build off of in certainty. So super excited. That's kicking off here in two weeks. And we've got two spots left. So if if you're interested, uh, shoot me a message. Uh, We can probably get you in uh, to this next group. Uh, the, the, The group that we do after this is usually three to four months away. So um, anyways, yeah, I'm really excited about
0: that. Yeah, uh, and it's the, the conversations we're having are fun, and uh, it's great fun for nerds like ourselves who want to, you know, approach and, and achieve our financial certainty and solvable problem. Uh, and yeah, the diversity in that that next group of guys is, is very, very interesting. My six word update: Enemy of my enemies, a friend. So um, you wouldn't think I'd be rooting for the Nuggets, but I am. Right. <laughs> hey, is that Aaron back there? I was gonna make
1: mine uh Lakers are trash. Aaron is trash, but you know, I thought that was a little too harsh.
0: <laughs> Might be a little too harsh. But you know, this is it reminds me of the Steve Nash seven seconds or less Suns, right? Like when they got hot, they got hot, right? You were getting scored on from all all angles. And it's it's actually pleasurable basketball to watch. I don't have well, I guess I do have horse in a race still because i did bet against lakers but mostly i don't have a a horse left in the race and it's actually fun to watch good quality basketball because i've always been a basketball fan i've always been an enthusiast so it's good to see good basketball versus you know this iso deal that we've been dealing with dribble 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 shoot it from the logo kind of deal
1: you know steve maybe we should just make this whole podcast today about you know we'll Aaron's behind the scenes right now, and you know he's a huge Laker fan. So maybe we just make this whole show about how the Lakers are going to dominate at, uh, in L.A. when they show up uh, on Saturday.
0: You know, I would love to do that, but uh, let's talk about some more pressing matters. So the problem, <laughs> the problem, right? So we're talking about the business treasury. So generally speaking, you know, what is the problem we're trying to fix today in regards to a business treasury?
1: So, what the business Treasury is designed to do is to function however the business needs it. Um, I think of this as like redundancy for your business. Um, maybe it's best to kind of illustrate with a story. We learned about the business treasury this concept from Dan, and you know, the first time I heard this, it was it was very eye-opening. Dan worked with A lot of Fortune 500 companies in the early 2000s, Microsoft uh, in particular. And when you look at a lot of the biggest companies in the world, what you notice is that they're an operating business. So Microsoft sells computers. They do all that stuff. Right. But they also behave a lot like a bank. And what I mean by that is they're not just taking the assets that they have, the, you know, their are $200 billion of investable assets and just keeping that in cash and putting it in the bank. Right. They're using that to create a return so that they can offset, um, let's say negative months or mm-hmm. down months in their operations. Or, you know, another, another example that we use was United airlines. They were one of my customers for years and years. And, United Airlines got hit really hard when COVID came. And this is one of these black swan events. It's like, you can't really predict this, Mm -hmm. but we know that they're going to happen. And so what happened was United Airlines, their operating business suffered greatly because no one was flying. And if they hadn't had the business treasury, so think of it, when you get on an airline and you're, you're getting off the plane, what's the first thing they try to do?
0: Sell you a credit card
1: they're trying to get you to buy their credit card. Why? Because they actually act as a bank in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. They're lending their money out, they're investing it in different things, they're doing all this stuff. And I think the problem is, Steve, that small businesses just were not taught this information. We're not privy to it.
0: Well, let me look at it another way. I mean, last year was winter for close to 12 months depending on what part you were in the country, in the business. Um, we got hit pretty hard in the Phoenix market and in the Southern California market is what I understand as well. Uh, a good chunk of Salt Lake, a good chunk of Boise. I don't know how Denver did, but we got hit pretty hard uh, back in March, right? In March, we're like, hey, what's going on? It, it feels different, right? It's not crazy like it has been. And then we all remember June, Right? June is when the Fed uh, rate went up 75 bips, which it hadn't gone up 75 bips in a long time. And that was kind of a kickoff uh, to the real estate winter we've had for the last uh, 12-ish months. Now, in Phoenix, oddly enough, it seems to be back to normal. So I think we started bad first and we've recovered first. So we've actually had pretty steady appreciation in the Phoenix market uh, for the last few months. But that's besides the point. The problem is so many of us our business, our, our wholesaling business, our flipping business, even the realtors, the the, the loan officers, the title companies, everyone in real estate more or less relies on transaction volume, right? Mm-hmm. Prices go up, prices go down, doesn't really affect our bottom line, right? It increases our margins, lowers our margins, but it affects the margins, not the actual active income. So you take a person that's accustomed to doing eight to 10 wholesale deals a month, and you knock them down to zero to three, (laughs) that's painful. Mm -hmm. And what do we learn in the books? The books teach us have three to six months of reserves, which is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with having the reserves. What the books never teach us is to have a methodology, a process, not to necessarily cover all your expenses, that'd be great. But for some of us that are spending $50,000, uh, $100,000, 200000 a month, it's a little bit more challenging. But there aren't any books teaching a business treasury. Everything they teach is have cash, manage your finances appropriately. You and I, we've got a great friend and David Richter, teaches profit first for real estate investors, right? Allocate your funds. But no one talks about, again, the importance of having the money work For you and your business.
1: Hmm. Well, and I just think of it as redundancy. You know, you're going to have, especially as, you know, what's more risky going from three deals to one deal, which is like a pretty big drop from three to one or going from, you know, nine deals down to three deals. It's it's the same like, you know, um, relative change. Mm-hmm. But it's a massive hit to your revenue when you're spending. Again, when you go from spending, let's say, ten grand a month, right, and you don't get a deal, versus you're spending fifty grand a month and you don't get a deal. Now you you start doing more and more deals, and you start taking on bigger and bigger risks inside mm-hmm. of your business because you've now got more marketing out, you've got more, um, you know, team members that you've got to pay. Like your overhead just gets higher and higher and higher. And the problem is is that we're really susceptible to Black Swan events or yeah. just market shifts or any of these things. And when everything's going well, it's great. Let's you know keep scaling, 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 but what you're doing is you're actually making the the fall harder. So right. I look at it as like the business treasury serves to build redundancy in your business. As you continue growing your business, you've got to take chips off the table and not just reinvest every dollar back in, but let's, let's build some financial certainty into our business.
0: Yeah. And you look if at right. On, uh, and this is true, whether you have a large amount of cash or if you got a business treasury to help you cover the expenses. Yeah, yeah, I but if you have neither and you need to do deals, oh, yeah, 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 what are we doing here? We need to chase this next deal, right? We need to hope this deal works. Like let's 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 take it down, and hope it works. Yeah. We're making a lot of anxious decisions. We're making a lot of hopeful decisions. We're not making calculated or optimized decisions. And this is the outcome. This is the result of not having something to protect yourself when the market goes when when the transaction volume gets adjusted negatively.
1: Right. And look at United Airlines. You think they would still be around if they didn't, you know, a lot of us just refer to this as cash in the bank. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I used to refer to that. Like how much, how much cash do you have in the bank? But you know, that's, that's okay. Like that's the first step. Let's make sure we're retaining profit. And I think that's what profit first talks about is like, what do you, you know make sure you're paying yourself first make sure you're actually allocating profit i love that you it stops short yeah and what i'm suggesting is again united airlines they they earn profit and they when their when their times are are good they're taking chips off the table and they pack and they're you know padding their treasury mm-hmm. and it's not just cash in the bank we'll talk a little bit more about you know some areas where they might be allocating stuff like this and i again i want to hear more from you on how you're thinking about your business treasury but just wanted to make sure we establish what that is and why it's so important to us as small business owners
0: yeah and as we talk about it there's going to be potentially like an aha moment this is so obvious right so before i became self-employed right back when i was the regular w2 working at intel making good steady uh paychecks what was i doing paying off my credit cards no credit card debt, put money in the 401k, put money in an IRA, right? Saving money. And then at some point I'm going to start buying rental properties, right? This is, this is not news. This is not earth shattering. A lot of people are aware of this, right? If you're listening to the show, you're aware of this. Something happens when we get into business. And that something that happens is we turn into this hustle culture. I got to go all in. I got to put everything in. I got to reinvest my profits, right? So what do we do? We violate everything we learn that that, uh, we were doing as responsible people on a personal level. So what are we not doing as business owners, perhaps? Not paying off all our business debts, right? Paying interest uh, on on loans, right? Are we putting in aside reserves? And the last thing is, are we building a business treasury for passive income within our business, right? And this is that last step that we're talking about right here. And again, you know, we just brought up profit first. Profit first is great. I love profit first. When we were saying a stop short, we're saying you have to go through it. You have to go through profit first before we talk about the business treasury. So definitely go for profit first. Understand the principles there. Because if you don't, nothing on the business treasury side makes sense. And you kind of like, uh, what was it that Dan kind of said to you that kind of like, well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like hearing that, but I needed to hear it. Um, how can you achieve financial certainty if you don't understand your finances? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually right in the face. It's like, wow, that's, it's so simple. But a lot of us entrepreneurs, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself here. I just, we have, I have what we call in our, uh, in the community, we call it the, the salesperson bias, mm-hmm. which just means I'll just go sell more. Like, I don't, I would rather just go sell more than figure out how much money I have or that I'm keeping. And, you know,
0: it turns
1: out a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. Who would have thought?
0: Yeah. Well, if you're a business owner, it probably means you're the guy that's good at taking rejection. You're good at taking action and and, and not so good at following rules, right? Mm -hmm. Which is fine. I'm in that category too. I think a person who has a tendency to not follow the rules also has a tendency to be really sloppy with their books. And that's kind of all we're talking about here. That salesperson mm-hmm. bias is also very closely avoid, uh, associated with a QuickBooks aversion. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, QuickBooks aversion. we will have to make note of that one. Yeah, um, Steve, why has no one told us about this before? Like, why do we not know about this? Well,
0: it, until we learned about it from Dan, it was, it was, it was irrelevant, right? Like, because the business treasury was associated for people that could afford people like Dan right sure uh if you could afford to bring in an accountant for like 50 to 100 grand a year they can show you how to optimize your billion dollars in your bank account to ensure a reliable return Mm -hmm. but for us right there's there's no there's there there's no reason to talk about it uh until very recently uh what i what i learned and it's really you kind of have this light bulb moment right so again super grateful to connect with Paul and learn about certainty and all these principles, because if I hadn't, I would not have had this light bulb moment just a few weeks ago. So, um, I had Eddie speed here uh, a few weeks ago, right? Love Eddie speed. I mean, he is the king of creative finance, right? You guys say it, it's creative finance, seller finance, right? <laughs> but I love him, right? He shows up with the cowboy boots, right? He's, he's a cowboy. Right? You and I were talking about cowboys, like, like big risk takers. Like, no, Eddie's a real cowboy, right? But as having him come over, one of the things I'm always so grateful for what we've done with real estate disruptors and podcasts and this and that is it opens so many doors and create so many opportunities. And one of those opportunities is we get to work hand in hand with Eddie Speed's team. And so my team is learning creative financing, this and that from his team. And we're learning about things like piggy bank financing or, or, or a silent second and this and that. And as we're going through this, I'm thinking, oh, like we have the opportunity to turn a bunch of our deads into creative deals. Hmm. That's not rocket science, right? Pace has been screaming about creative finance off the rooftops forever. That's not That's not news. What most people do is they run a wholesale or a flip operation. This is their active income side. And then in, in their own personal side, they have their, um, their real estate portfolio. And again, that's just the way it is. And I don't think a lot of people ask the question of why that is. So for me, as they are going through this, I'm talking to my team about it, and they're like, hey, like, what are we gonna do with these properties? Like, Well, knowing what I know now, as far as a business treasury, why wouldn't we just hold it under the same umbrella? Not the same name of the wholesale company, right? Like we don't want to do that. But why would we not hold it under the same umbrella? What Hmm. I mean is, if we're picking up these properties, our cash flowing here, 300 bucks, cash flowing here, 600 bucks a month, right? And it's costing us a little out of pocket. Does it make sense for us to grow Steve's personal wealth? Or would it make sense to have it there and minimize the downsides. Minimize the headaches, right? Reinvest that into the company, not as not as a taking the money out to just put it in, but to reduce the, um, how do I put it? Our net operating income is gonna be higher because we're gonna have a higher gross revenue. We're gonna have a mm-hmm. higher gross revenue, yielding a higher gross profit and we won't need to do as many deals. We can be more particular. We can be more creative with our deals. And we'll never have to worry if we have to let someone go because of money. Right? We'll let go of someone because they're not performing. Right? We'll cut marketing because it's ineffective. But we'll never have to worry about should we cut this marketing because we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like right now, Jason Lewis, owner of Investor Machine, is a, is a Whale Club member. Right? And for him, he saw how many people cut back in direct mail. And you know what? As a business owner, investor, machine, that sucks. As the only person doing direct mail in, State, in Salt Lake, Utah, he's giddy, right? Yeah. So, because so many people cut back, he is loving how much how much less competition there is in his market in direct mail because they had to cut back, and he didn't. Mm. <clears throat> yeah,
1: that's interesting. Um you know, I have a couple of thoughts on what you mentioned and I don't know if it was you or if it was Jason Medley or who said this, but best way to get passive income, mm-hmm. is to have super reliable, active income.
0: Yeah. Um, you know? the, the one I hear from Jason is the best way to build a passive income portfolio is to make light is to make large chunks of active income.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, and so maybe, um, Maybe this analogy makes sense. It's like the goose that lays the golden eggs, you know, and and the goose is your business that's designed to create the reliable active income. Mm -hmm. And so we want to take care of the goose because it lays these golden eggs, right? It produces this cash flow, which we then use to then go buy. Again, we don't love the term passive income, but it buys reliable income that requires much less of your uh, time and effort. Um, so what happens is when you take on all this risk, so again, here's the narrative. We all read rich dad, poor dad, mm-hmm. and we were told, Hey, guess what? If you collect enough rental properties, you can retire early, Steve. Right. Imagine that.
0: Yeah. Your freedom number. You can do whatever you want. Basically have F you money. All right. Hook, line, and sinker.
1: We yeah. all bought it. And it's a, it's a great story. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us bought into this when we had a W-2 job. Yes. <clears throat> so we're like, wow, this is crazy. This is my out. This is how I get out of this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what do we do? Maybe we buy a couple rentals and you get some passive income and you say, wow, this is, this is something to this. Maybe I'll go full time at real estate. But if I'm going to leave my job, I don't have enough passive income yet. So I need to go do something active in real estate. And a lot of us start out wholesaling or flipping. hmm. And again, the whole idea was to get passive income, but we have businesses now that we're building that are highly unreliable. You have some months where you're doing a bunch of deals, mm-hmm. some months where you don't. Then anytime you get profit, you're just dumping it right back into your business to try to you know, grow because we're wired towards more. Or pay down and- some
0: of that credit card you spent to front loads of marketing.
1: Exactly. Oh, I'm going to spend this money and then I'm going to get it back and then course, you get it back, you pay off the credit card, and then you buy another course, which is going to teach you how to get three more deals a month. And then you get three more deals a month, and then you use that money to buy three more. And it's, we're we're never taking money off the table to actually help us get closer to what we really wanted, which was this quote, passive income. And it's because we have unreliable businesses. I mean, I would think we would all agree if our businesses were consistently kicking off 50, 60, 100k, 250k a month, we'd be able to buy all the passive income that we want in the world.
0: If it was, it was reliable.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and this is kind of going off topic on the, on the, on the business treasury side, but I would argue the reason why it's not reliable is because we don't exercise restraint. Yeah. Because it's never enough. If we just decided, Oh, you know what? Five deals a month is my sweet spot, which you can't know until you get to eight or 10. He's like, Oh, this sucks. Right. But until you know where your sweet spot is, you're not going to be able to do that. You cannot have the pre- reliable because you're either scaling up or going down. You know, I heard a quote, read a quote, which I read before, but I was going through scaling up 2.0 again. Um, I had a conversation with uh, Ren, another guy, Ren Bartlett, joining, the, joining us in the Whale Club. And I was talking to him. I was like, hey, you know, one of our peers does a strategic meeting every two weeks. We're doing it quarterly. He does it every two weeks. What's that about, right? And this is that shiny object syndrome. We're looking around, evaluating the landscape. So I call him. By the way, this guy's the owner of New Western to do fifteen twenty thousand 20,000 wholesale deals a month. So I call him. It's like, hey, um, every two weeks? <laughs> Tell me about this. And so I'm t- talking to Ren about it. He's like, hey, you know, just rescaling up. They talk about how to do a monthly strategic meeting. So I pick up that book and I go through it. And the last chapter really, really hit me right? For what I went through last year. And the quote was, or the I'm paraphrasing here is cash is either funding growth in your company or funding mismanagement of your company. Hmm. And how much have we talked on the show about allocating resources poorly?
1: Mm-hmm. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point where well, you talked about the sweet spot, you know, let's say you're again, quote, sweet spot, is five because um, because it allows you to accomplish your solvable problem. Right. And, and again, five, that, that's not a random number. Like part of what we help people understand is, well, let's say that you need to take home, you know, 30 K a month so that you, again, most people that we talk to, like they're between, they want between 10 and $30,000 a month in passive income, you know, inside of their yeah. life. And Know if if your business is inconsistent, it's gonna, and that's your full time thing. Well, it's really tough to then buy passive income at at least any time in the short term. So, bringing this all the way full circle, what does the business treasury do? And, Steve, you always start this show off with, you know, if you could just turn your negative months into zeros, Mm -hmm. tell me how this all connects the idea of the business treasury and turning your negative months into zero
0: well if you have the business treasury in place it's going to cover your expenses now we're not again the promise here is not you're going to have 50,000 month in passive income within your business if you got $50,000 month overhead right that's not the promise here what we're talking about here is consider the possibility that you can have additional income coming in with your, uh, from your existing business right now, right? So, if uh, typical wholesaling business, $20,000 a month, uh, active monthly expenses, fixed overhead, cold calling, VAs, blah, 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 pulling this, whatever. It is not out of the question to acquire a handful of properties to get to 5000 8000 a month in passive income within a year, within 12 months. Within two years, it's not out of the question to have maybe ten dollars to $12,000 a month in passive income from real estate, from the deals you do here and there. Mm-hmm. If you're running a business where your overhead is 10,000 a month and you've got some properties that are doing 10,000 a month, you don't need to do deals. Right. Right. And that's what we're talking about here. You don't need to do it. You're not stressed. And that sweet spot number we're talking about, that's a completely arbitrary number I threw, I pulled out of the air. The point is we don't know what our sweet spot is. Yeah. Right. What's your sweet well, spot, Paul? What's out. my sweet spot? It can be figured out. Huh?
1: It can be figured out.
0: It can be figured out. Yes. The sweet spot can be figured out, but you have to do the work to figure it out. And that's, that's the hard part for us. We're talking about the, uh, going through uh, uh, the whale club, the questions we ask ourselves, the exercises we go through, how we're holding each other accountable for some of these questions. Um, you know, I, I, I thought it was really funny. Uh, you brought up on on the call on Wednesday's uh, whale club call. Um, John was asking you about like hiring an executive assistant. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Let's practice what we preach. Right. Have you compiled data? Have you analyzed this and that? And so uh, I'm kind of rambling on here, but uh, I'm just going back to the, you can't know what your sweet spot is. If you're not asking yourself the questions, If you're not doing the work. And if you're, if you got a business right now, ask yourself what if you you can look in your QuickBooks if you know your login. Um, <laughs> uh, if you look in the last three months, look at the last six months. What is your monthly expenses if nothing comes in? Mm-hmm. What if you had a business treasury that could you could at least help it grow, cover those fixed expenses?
1: Yeah, I mean, and if if we can agree that the best way to get passive income is through having a fantastic active income. If we can agree on that yes, and we can agree that we have to do something to generate active income in mm-hmm. real estate. You know um, if you're in real estate full time, you, you're probably trying to generate some level of active income. Maybe you're an agent, flipper, wholesaler, developer, whatever that is. Um, but, but I think of that as the goose, like we want to protect the goose at all costs because right. if our goal is to use the goose, to lay the golden eggs which are our passive investments well then the worst thing that could happen is the goose gets sick and the mm-hmm. goose can't lay eggs anymore and i think oftentimes we're trying to take the eggs like too quickly and yeah. we're leaving the goose exposed so what the business treasury does is it protects the goose from all seasons from all types of weather from all circumstances right we're we're trying to protect the thing that's going to create the passive income. And if it, if it's unreliable, well, it's going to be really tough to create these, these eggs. Like Mm -hmm. I keep saying, right. That are the passive income. So what the business does is supports that.
0: Right. Having a, having a goose who may, might be malnourished. Right. uh, May produce half an egg one month and then an egg every other month, but we want an egg a month.
1: We want to egg every single month. We want it to, you know, be consistent and reliable because that's what we're building our, you know, financial certainty around. But too many of us have have a, a goose that's got, you know, that's sick right now. It's just, it's just not consistently producing.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, and, then and just real quick before we move on to the next topic or next item, it's like again, I'm not saying, you know, what I'm saying is the right way. You know, we talk about preferences and this and that. All I'm saying is knowing what I know now with real estate and certainty and business treasury is I am now actively intently building a business treasury for my business. Yeah. And I'm still paying myself a wage, right? From the business. And once we get to a certain point, I can then pay myself more. But this right here, the, the, the passive income within the business will eventually be my passive income for myself versus the traditional or most common way to do it right now is most business owners take that money out of the business, right? That golden goose and buy rental properties over here. And then this is just left alone. We don't worry about the rental properties over here because this is funding my personal life. Mm -hmm. But our business is unreliable and we're trying to fund our personal life.
1: Yeah, and you can do both. But I just think that we have it backwards. What we want is a healthy goose that's just always going to be spitting out these eggs, these golden eggs. And then now um, our stress levels come down, our anxiety comes down. We've got this highly consistent, repeatable business that's spitting out the cash flow that we need in order to buy more reliability. And so it's just a beautiful thing. I, I like this goose analogy. I don't, I don't know where this came from, but this is really good. Yeah, um, no, I
0: think it's great. Cause it, it puts a, it puts a figure, it puts a, helps us associate, associate. Sure. well.
1: So don't, you know, look at your goose, right? Do you have a healthy goose? And if not, um, let's, let's talk about how to build a more, uh, a healthier goose, right? A healthier business, a more reliable business. And that is the business treasury. So, Steve, let's talk first about um, a, a new concept. Again, we always start by this show by saying we're going to introduce a lot of language you guys may mm-hmm. not be familiar with. It's because we kind of speak a whole separate language. Um, so let's talk about macro beliefs. Yeah. And why don't you de- why don't you uh, define that, and then we'll list out a couple different macro beliefs that.
0: There uh, be. For me, a macro belief is is basically something you believe in, right? Something you believe is going to do well in the long run. Yeah. So. Um, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So maybe you have a, if you're listening to this show, it's probably likely that you have a a macro belief in real estate. Absolutely. Um, other macro beliefs you might consider cash, U S dollar, right? Maybe you have a macro belief in the U S dollar. Maybe you don't, maybe you have a macro belief in infinite banking and insurance policies and things like this. Uh, stocks bonds domestic and, domestic and foreign equities crypto gold silver all the types of assets potentially that could be out there um are opportunities for you know choosing your macro belief and i think this just comes down to like what do you like you said what do you believe in long term so you know i just laid out a bunch of them there mm-hmm. it's not all or nothing but where do you see your macro beliefs lie
0: for me it's going to be Pretty heavily real estate, pretty heavily real estate um, is diversified, right? We have some stuff that's got some upside. There's a little bit of money, emphasis on a little bit of money uh, on, on some upside plays. But, you know, uh, I remember uh, listening from Jeff Bezos. Uh, he said this a long time ago, but I heard this quote very, very recently. And he was, he was talking about an interview. It was like, um, hey, Jeff, how do you see technology changing uh, everything in the next 10 years? And he's like, that's the wrong question. It's so a right question. What's going to be the same in 10 years? Build a business towards that and you'll be mm-hmm. fine. Oh, right. Yeah, so for me, real estate has been, been true. Um, I mean, you look at Europe, you look in Asia, in every country where your property can't be taken from you forcefully, um, real estate does well. So Yeah.
1: I couldn't agree more. And I think that real estate is probably one of the best in my opinion, best ways to build wealth. Mm-hmm. There is. Um, it's got, I mean, I don't know why I, this, this phrase sticks in my mind. Jimmy Vreeland said this one time and I'm like, that is so true. This country was founded by real estate investors for real estate <laughs> investors. Just look at the tax code. Um, <laughs> I just, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of us get into real estate and there's sure there's other things that, Maybe you have a, a long-term belief in the blockchain and AI and emerging tech, things like this, or maybe you're big into having, you know, mutual funds or uh, you just want to have gold bars in the basement. Just, you know um, again, that's not really going to kick off a ton of cash flow. Uh, but the point being, as we think about our business treasury, we have to first consider our macro beliefs. Like we don't want to just stick our money in places where we don't actually have a long-term belief in. Right. And, we could probably launch into a whole conversation around barbells and you know this barbell framework. Maybe it, it makes sense to sort of describe this because as we build out our treasuries, we think of them in terms of, of a barbell. Um, you want to take a shot at explaining the barbell?
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, you got one side It's reliable. Month in, month out, this is going to happen. You might have to spend 15 minutes into it every month. You might have to spend... 50 hours a week into it, but month in, month out, this is the output you're gonna get with very minimal variation. On the right side, you got asymmetric risk to the upside. Meaning, you've removed all the downside or as much of the downside as you can. And if it does well, it's gonna do really well. So on one side, you get asymmetric risk to the upside with very minimal downside. On On the other side, you get reliable and predictable which is where we're talking about reliable real estate income, not not passive uh, uh, real estate income, right? Everything in the middle needs to either be moved to the reliable side or the asymmetric upside or drop completely. Mm -hmm. We're not allowed to do things in the middle because it brings us neither reliability nor asymmetric upside. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think it's
1: worth saying that you know, let me give an example of an asymmetric bet to the upside. Um, you know, I'm I just I don't know of a of a of a asset class right now where you can earn 10x, 20x, 50x, 100x like you can in crypto. Mm-hmm. Now I get it; it's a super volatile asset, right? I mean, we all acknowledge that, but volatility can be taken advantage of if we. Yeah, if you know how to approach it correctly. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, I mean, I'm just going to dumb this down and make it really simple. Let's say you buy a coin that has a potential to do a 10x. And it also has a potential to go to zero. And we've talked about expected value on this show before. It's not Mm -hmm. a zero or a one, meaning like it's either going to 10x or it's going to get zero. It's, you know, there's probabilities for these things. Right. But knowing that, we don't need to put a lot in. Because if it has an opportunity to 10x, we don't need to put a lot in. So way you might create an asymmetric bet is, first of all, bet something that if you lost it, no big deal. It's not really going to hurt you. Because if it 10xs, uh, then you can take the money off the table and apply it to your, your reliable side. All right. But how you might remove risk is, let's say it doubles and it goes to a 2x. Maybe take your whole principal out. So you take all the risk off the table.
0: All right, and you're playing with house money.
1: Now you're playing with house money. So that may sound obvious, but we make these mistakes constantly, but there's tons of asymmetric bet opportunities. If you know how to approach the problem correctly.
0: Right. If you but ask I look the right at this questions, like, set the right commissioner's frame, right framework beforehand.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so you can use these types of bets to then go out and buy more reliability because the whole point is we want to raise the floor, not try to, you know, beat our all time high or something like that. And so, you know, again, an an asymmetric upside bet might be just having a killer month in your, in your business and you're then taking it. And as you were sort of talking about, you know, what if we could create enough rental property income that's tied to the actual business Mm -hmm. that could produce I mean, wouldn't that be great if you could offset all of your operating expenses in your business and you just have all these rental properties? Your goose is pretty healthy at that point.
0: Right. Extremely healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And no one looks at it that way. Everyone seems to be either or. I guess that's that all or nothing thinking. Right. It's either I'm a wholesaler or I'm a buy and hold guy. Right. And the people that do both treat it as two separate things, which I get because that's the way it's always been done. All I'm arguing on this episode is maybe they should be married more.
1: How about this? I don't know if this question is too hyperbolic, but like how would you feel if you couldn't lose money in your business?
0: Feeling fantastic.
1: What would that do to like your approach to business? What would that do to your levels of anxiety? What would that do to like, How would that impact your relationships? Mm -hmm. How would that impact everything if you couldn't lose in your business?
0: Yeah, you would take bolder steps, more confident steps, and you could not be trifled with. You would not ever have to worry about negotiating your fee. You would never have to worry about doing things like, is this the right thing to do? Should I do this, should I not do this? A lot of your decisions are gonna be a lot easier and simpler, you're gonna have a lot less cortisol in your system.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because business should be fun. Yeah. But I think w- a lot of us just make it complicated, harder than it needs to be. And I'm so guilty of that. Like, I just feel so fortunate to have learned these things, um, you know, before I uh, dug myself into too far of a hole. I'm still kind of getting myself out of the hole that I dug the first couple of years in business. But, you know, that's, that's the whole point is, well, what if we could get to a position where we turn all our negative months into zero? Mm-hmm. And worst case, we just don't make any money. We're not losing. We don't have a whole lot of risk of losing a bunch of money. Why? Because we have our operating business that's supported by our business treasury.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, another way to look at this, as we talk about it, just kind of had an aha moment. Uh, I mean, that's the title company. The title company is the company I can't lose money in and is reliable and predictable. It comes in every month, right? It's just subsidizes a lot of expenses. I don't yeah. have to worry about that. I'm not involved in it. It requires no resources. Of my time requires no drain on my time, no resources. And it's just passive income and just comes in every month. And all I have to do is every once in a while, I'll tell everyone, Hey, I have a title company. You should use my title company. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Pretty okay. easy, right? when you can just push people over to like a that goes back to the seventy thirty
0: principle, yeah,
1: where like and and the thing is is you can engineer this this is this is you know we're both engineers, so like you can engineer this into all of your businesses mm-hmm. where you have asymmetric uh, upside, meaning when you're operating, let's again let's let's use the example of the of the business owner that's got 10 deals a month on average. Sometimes it's five, sometimes it's 15. You know, maybe that's the the standard deviation.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And at five deals a month, you're losing money. At 15 deals a month, you're killing it. Maybe the way you rewire the way you're thinking about that business is like at 10, when you're doing 10 deals a month, you're, it's spitting out, eggs, golden eggs, this goose is just humming. And now you're taking that money. Hopefully you're not just reinvesting every dollar back into the business Mm -hmm. to grow the business. Hopefully you're building redundancy to protect that goose so that you don't have months where you only get five deals and now you make zero. You might offset it where like, now we actually only need to have four deals a month. And we break even. And then six months later, you have another month where you hit 15 months and you you take another 50, 60 Gs or 100 Gs or whatever off the table. And you build that into your business treasury. Now you only need three deals a month to break even. You start to get the idea here, right? right? It's it's like, we got to protect the goose because the goose is what gives us the active income. These golden eggs that we're then using to buy the passive income. Absolutely. But what we do is we just... We take resources away from it and we put it in this other bucket for whatever reason. And I was doing that. Again, this is part of this is like, we just weren't educated on this stuff. This is stuff that the big dogs do like the fortune 500 companies do. And Dan was like, you know what? I'm going to make it my mission to teach this to small business owners, because if, if we can get people to operate this way, business becomes a lot easier and a lot more fun. And now, you can really just play your game, play to your strengths because you're not stressed out mm-hmm. about, am I, gonna, am I actually going to be profitable this month? It's like, well, we've got this business treasury. So on our worst case, we're breaking even.
0: Yeah. So again, just to reiterate that, I think it's so powerful, right? If everyone that's listening, everyone that's watching, if you didn't do a deal and your, all your expenses were covered by your business treasury, how would you approach your business on a day-to-day basis would your energy be different would you show up differently will you show up differently at home right a lot of questions to ponder deep questions to ponder
1: yeah so um you know this isn't rocket science business treasuries can be learned and can't be implemented and you know we've taken a very complicated concept and and brought it into very simple terms it's like all the stuff that you learned growing up, um, you know, how to save money. And again, when we had our W I love that analogy. Like when we had our W twos, we were investing in 401ks. We were maxing out our RAs. We were buying some rental properties Yeah, and like we were building this reliability and you know, um, because, because a job is not a goose, right? Like you don't own that goose. Somebody else owns that. And you, Yeah. And so when you go build your own business, you just got your own goose, right? This Mm -hmm. is great. And imagine if this goose was just kicking out golden eggs every single month. Bam, 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 bam. Well, you'd want to protect that goose at all uh, possible. If if that goose is sick, you don't produce the golden eggs and now you get further away. And what do we do? We end up worrying about how to make this goose bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like, what you really want it to do is just be healthy, Mm -hmm. consistent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We want our goose to live a very long and fruitful life. That's right. (laughs) So, you know, um, business
1: treasury, it makes so, so much sense if you're a real estate investor and you have a macro belief in real estate and maybe you have an off market deal source. Like one of the strategies you might consider is keeping some of the deals that could help you build your business treasury and you just, your, your macro belief is in real estate. So start building some redundancy inside your business with the real estate deals that you have there.
0: Absolutely. Maybe get better at raising private capital, figure out a way to cue some of these deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then,
1: and then protecting the business, right? Protecting the business from unpredictable... The goose has got to get protected from the black swan. That's funny, <laughs> um, right? Because... If you guys aren't familiar with this term, Black Swan, it was written about by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, again, the author that we just like we're fanboys of him. I love him. Um, but it's these events that you can't really predict, like, but they're going to happen with a, a certain amount of regularity. I mean, 9-11, the 2008 financial crisis, COVID. These were just things that you can't predict, but they happen. Mm -hmm. Every five, seven, 10 years, something like this, something like that happens. And we're going to see that happen again, guaranteed. So if you want to be able to thrive in any economic condition and you want your goose to be protected, right, consider building a business treasury. Um, And it starts by, it's very simple, like just take profit and allocate it into something that can earn you passive income and offset some of your expenses. That concept is very simple. You know, we also have a, a pretty robust methodology to teach people how to do this. So if, if you know, my sixth word up to date today, today was two spots left in the upcoming group. Mm-hmm. We have a program where we teach people how to do business treasuries. So if you want to learn how to do more of this, um, you can go to realestatecertainty.com. There's a button there that you can click. It's like set up a 45 minute certainty strategy session with me again we got to change that name Steve I'm not a big fan of that um, but it's like I'm going to talk you through maybe ways that you could implement a treasury inside of your life totally free I'm not going to sell you on that call promise like it's it's literally just I'm going to give as much as I possibly can because this stuff is powerful it is if you're interested in having us walk you through a, a 10-week process where we go through solvable problem get clarity on that then we go through a 12-week process where you get Uh, Learn how to implement the certainty operating system into your business. A lot of the first part is just recapturing a lot of the wasted resources that you have. And then the third series is the business treasury series where we tie all this together so we can protect your goose so that it lays golden eggs all day long. And now you can, you know, have redundancy in your life. You could play business like a sport, all the different things that we say. So like I said, we got two spots left in that. You can go to realestatecertainty.com. You can click the button there that says join us. If you're not if you're not ready to join us yet, book a little 45-minute call with me, and I'll walk you through some ways you can implement business treasury into your business uh,
0: starting right away. Awesome. Perfect. I think that's a great way to wrap up here. So hopefully you guys are getting a ton of value here. Hopefully, you know, my what I'm learning, what Paul is learning, is helpful for you guys, where you are in your business, and if there's any way we can help, definitely reach out. Realestatecertainty.com. See you guys next week.